podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hello, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and thank you for joining us today for our podcast entitled Conspiracy Code, a digital game-based American history course. And I have with me today Jeremy Gatza. Jeremy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Marilyn. Jeremy, I know that you work with Florida Virtual Schools as a curriculum innovation specialist uh, with the Research and Discovery Department, and that is a wonderful organization. Talk about pushing the envelope in K-12 online learning. You must love working there. Yeah, it's a great organization to work for, and being in the Research and Discovery Department is a really great team to work for to stay on the innovative cutting edge. That's wonderful. And I know before that, you worked in Orange County Public Schools as a history teacher and also an administrative dean. That's, that's in Orlando, Florida, isn't it? That's correct. Okay. I know Florida Virtual is about to launch a new line of courses, and we're all waiting for them, and we're very excited about it. Could you tell me about them? So at Florida Virtual School, we have a long history of being leaders in the online space, virtual K-12 education what I like to call traditional online courses. And now we're embarking on um, a new program that intertwines uh, game-based learning with traditional learning content. Instead of just playing a video game, students are now going to be able to play a video game and learn at the same time. More than just an assessment piece or a mini game, the Conspiracy Code line of courses are, just like it sounds, it's an entire course within a video game. It's not something that can be plugged into here or there. It's not a mini game. They just do a certain set of concepts. The students gain credit for the entire year or, or semester, whatever the course may be. So it does encompass the entire coursework. So in your experience, do you think learning in a video game format is going to be an effective method for students to learn? Yes, we do. And we've done a lot of research and studies on this. And there's lots of activity right now in the space of digital game-based learning. Lots of professors out there, they're doing a lot of research in different places, Madison, Wisconsin, and so forth, that really have looked at what is it like for students to be playing a video game? What happens when a player plays a game? And why is there such that level of engagement that happens during gameplay? Why are they so addictive? And what is happening you know, emotionally, and, but, but also mentally, with the player who's playing that game? And we did a lot of partnerships with both the game developers that we worked with, but also with the University of Central Florida. And Dr. Tusi Harumi, who is helping us make sure that we focus on the brain-based learning of why are students engaged in games and how can we translate that into the educational space. We based Conspiracy Code on the Kane and Kane brain-mind learning theories to really make sure that not only are we teaching in a way that reaches to the brain and how students learn, but also do that in a game-based format so that it's fun and that it's engaging. How did this actually start? Who all was involved? It's actually a great project. We have a strong partnership with a gaming company in Orlando, Florida by the name of 360ED. And the executives at 360ED, they know Julie Young, our CEO and president, through 
channels at Beacon Orlando and they came together and we, we were really looking at how can we engage students through gaming? How can we take the expertise of a game developer company, a commercial size game developing company and match that with what happens at Florida Virtual School in the learning space? Between the discussions and the project planning that was taking place, we decided that we would not try to build a mini game, but actually move to try to build a entire course. So just like Florida Virtual School offers entire courses that teach subjects, you know, over 90 courses, we're going to look at making a game that takes the place of that. And then between the discussions, we came up with creating an adventure style, point and click adventure style game that teaches American history. And through more discussions, we came up with the conspiracy codes theme where there's a multinational organization who's trying to take over the world and they're trying to change how people perceive history and there's to really hook that student and bring them into the game itself because that's central to game design is engaging students in the story of the game that takes place so that conspiracy code hopefully they forget that they're learning history. Could you actually walk us through what the student experience would be in a conspiracy code course and what is it actually like for a student? Yes, Conspiracy Code is, like I said, it's an entire course, so the students start Conspiracy Code just like they would any of their other online courses. At Florida Virtual School, the role of the teacher is very central to learning. You know, just as much as the student's role, it's not just the computer and, and the student, that there's a teacher there. So there's a conversation with the teacher, and once they get going and start moving the course, the student uses the video game to retrieve all their content and also do their assessments. So in Conspiracy Code, the story is that, that a multinational corporation by the name of Conspiracy Inc. who is trying to take over the world by changing the way people perceive history. So they've started with a small town by the name of Coverton City and in Coverton it's really like the perfect city. It's been built from the ground up to be the best technologically and socially and economically. So that's really why Conspiracy Incorporated is, is working there. And there's some individuals in, in Coverton that have gotten wind that something's awry in, in the city. And a supercomputer who used to be operated by the um, CIA has now been dismantled by Conspiracy Inc. and is trying to put everything back together and really figure out how can I stop this evil corporation. And this computer by the name of Ben has recruited two high school students in Coverton City, Eddie Flash and Libby Whitetree. And what he's doing is he's using Eddie and Libby as his hands and eyes and ears and, and feet to go throughout Coverton and try to figure out what is going on with Conspiracy Incorporated and how can we stop them. And that's where the student comes in because they are controlling Eddie and Libby. So throughout the game, the student actually toggles back and forth between Eddie and Libby to track down the agents of Conspiracy Incorporated and figure out what they're working on. And unlike a lot of our other courses, when the student starts Conspiracy Code, they have no historical information. They don't have any American history information. They have to gather that through gameplay. So as they're moving through the city and, and tracking down agents of Conspiracy Incorporated, they pick up small clues. And these small clues are segments of what we would consider a lesson. We've taken the, the typical American history lessons and broke them down into clues. So a small snippet of historical information. And they put that in their archive and they do something, an activity with it, and then they move on, they pick up another one. As, and as they move, they're slowly populating that clue archive and interacting with that content and building up to larger assessments within the game. 
and that is really essential because it, it gives the student a sense of being immersed in the gameplay in Coverton, but also gives them a sense of ownership over the content because they worked to collect that clue. So now they have a little ownership over that clue to make sure that's my clue. I, I've, I've got a good handle on where it was or where it, what it is. I know where I got it from. I know who I talked to in the game. There's a complete cast of characters in Conspiracy Code that are really unique and, and eccentric. And again, it plays to that Kane and Kane principles of making sure the student can make emotional connections with what's going on in learning. And it's really central to the design, just in the way that we have designed Eddie and Libby to be a character that the student can relate to. They're the typical high school student. We actually took the artists of 360 Ed into high schools in Orlando and had them talk to actual high school students. And it's interesting because what we had designed some of the characters as, they look totally different now based on the input that we got back from students. Because if the student's going to be playing Eddie and Libby for hours and hours, months and months, a course load size, they need to make that connection to them. I can see how students would love to play this program and learn those lessons. That must be very exciting to work on. <laughs> yes, it is. It's an exciting project to work on. I was one of the subject matter experts to writing the content, and then I've transitioned over to more of the project design role of Conspiracy Code and actually helping conduct a beta test that's going on right now. We actually have students live in the course right now and really getting some good data over what's working, what's not working, and tweaking some things as we go and kind of helping us make sure that we get all the bells and whistles right before we run up to a full release of the course. How do the teachers and students actually interact? That's a great question. In some ways it's a little bit humorous because we have two great teachers teaching Conspiracy Code in our beta test right now and they're doing a really good job of keeping the student immersed in the actual storyline. We didn't instruct them to do this, but the teachers actually sign their name like your underground handler and actually really kind of keep that persona of being someone that in the storyline. Because as I said, the storyline is essential. In Conspiracy Code, the student doesn't do anything from collection to assessment that isn't related to the storyline. There's no busy work in the course. Everything they're doing is something that Eddie and Libby have to do to achieve something in the game. As they move through, they're actually um, completing assignments and, and doing activities related to the content. And one of the key central themes of that is that Eddie and Libby have a contact in the grassroots underground movement in Coverton to stop Conspiracy Inc. And that underground contact is, of course, their teacher. So throughout the course, they're um, writing notes and keeping a log of what they're finding, which are actually content-based questions around their clues they collect, and they're sending those back to their teacher. They're also keeping uh, an interactive data map, which is a, a 3D mind map of um, how the student sees connections between the course. We actually have the students tag clues like they would on any uh, social media or web 2.0 tools. They add tags or keywords to it, and what that does is it creates a connection between one article they picked up and another article. And what's exciting for me about that is that uh, data map is never the same for any student because no, no two students are going to tag their clues exactly the same. So those are sent back to the teacher for review. Every mission, there's actually 10 missions that the student goes through in Conspiracy Code. And think of a mission as maybe a unit of American history. Every mission that there's a culminating mission assessment, a project that the student has to do. And everything relates back to stories, so some of those projects may be write a debate speech for the mayor, design a new wing for the History Museum in Coverton, or work on a marketing campaign for a book that's being released. And all those relate to the storyline, and those are sent to the teacher for assessment. 
as well as every mission the student has to have a conversation with their teacher on the phone or, or through some kind of synchronous online chat or whatever it may be, we usually do phone, to report back what's happening. And really that's our way of uh, talking to the student, make sure they're comprehending the material, make sure they're really getting it. It's a, one of our protections against academic integrity, so we know if the student is actually doing the work. The in-game reason is they're talking to their handler and figuring out what's happened in this mission and where they're going to go next. So that relationship is really central to everything the student does in the course. Even though the students, just like all of our Florida Virtual School courses, they move at their own pace. They work through a self-guided system of the game in the course, like all of our other Florida Virtual School courses. Well, you keep mentioning evaluation and measurement. Can you give us a sense as to how student progress and achievement are actually going to be measured? Yeah, that's a great question, especially we talk about internal measurement, but also external measurement. One of the things that we've designed to go along with the course is an integrated learning management system that we call CITI, which is, stands for Student Interface Teacher Interface. It also works out well that it's called CITI because we're talking about Coverton right. and the storyline and that sort of thing. But what that does is it gives us a lot of diagnostics that we can measure that we don't typically measure in an online course. For example, we know exactly what clue a student has picked up and what they haven't. That's equivalent to you knowing what web page of that content that might be displayed in a browser your students looked at in red. We don't know that. Our students might look at our lessons. They might not. They all might just skip to the assessments and do those without ever reading anything. Brick and mortar schools, how many times have we assigned reading and the students don't do them? But they still take the test or the assessment or the project the next day. With Conspiracy Code, we know exactly what clues the student has picked up and whether they've completed the mini assessment at the end of each clue. We also know the pace that they're picking those clues up and we actually have a what we call a pace meter in the course that, that gives the student where they should be according to the pace they've chosen to work at and where they're at and gives a graphical display to the student and the teacher exactly where they're at based on the clues they've collected the assessments that they've completed and that's really central so that the teachers and the students both have a really good idea and of course the parents a really good idea of where the student's at, where they're moving, as well as the other assessments that we've talked about. I think it's critical to mention that in Conspiracy Code, we don't grade the student on everything that they do. So a lot of times in a traditional face-to-face -face classroom, a lot of times we have students do work, but we don't write it down for a grade. And I've seen almost a black and white flip to the online school. Almost everything the student does is graded. Sometimes we do self-checks and flash-based things that we ask the student to do. We don't know if they actually did them. With Conspiracy Code, we're able to harness some of the tools of gameplay to have the students do content assessment and content interaction, but we don't have to grade it. We can take away the question of, is this for a grade, that we always hear from students. Because the student, for example, every time they pick up a clue, there's a small mini-assessment at the end of every clue. So they have to actually answer that to move on. but we don't grade that. There's also interactions with characters where they have to interrogate citizens of Coverton to find out if they're an agent or not, and they do that by seeing if the agent or if the citizen tells them a true statement or a false statement of American history. We don't grade those either. So there's some, some smaller things that touch on our lower level blooms, and that's really critical, I think, because we can't ask students to make those jumps to higher order assessments without first making sure they have a really strong grounding in the content knowledge. We can't ask them to analyze two events if they don't know about those events. 
So in conspiracy code, we're actually able to measure if they do know about those before we have them do those conspiracy logs and those mission assessments and work on their data map. Really make sure they have that so we can measure those. And we also do lots of gameplay measurement that we usually don't see in the education space, but we know how many times the students logged in, what rooms they've been in, how many non-player characters they've talked to in the game, how many times they've interrogated citizens. Some of those things are not necessarily pedagogical in nature, but it does give us a good feedback of what is the student doing with their time because lots of the gameplay aspects are still content related. So Johnny, for example, might be interrogating lots of citizens because he just finds that piece of gameplay really fun. Well, for me as a teacher, that's really great because I know that the more he Johnny interrogates, the more content he's being questioned and reviewed on. And that's a really good feedback for us. Also, each of the semesters, it has two semesters of Conspiracy Code, has a final exam at the end. And it's more of an objective, traditional final exam. It has a gameplay reason for why they're doing that. But it also gives us some good feedback, standards-based, objective feedback on how the student has done throughout the first five and then the second five missions of the game. So lots of good feedback and measurement that our teachers can use to um, formatively and summatively assess their student progress. Well, who can actually take the course, and how does a student access it? Florida Virtual School is a public school in the state of Florida. We are the 68 school district, for example. So any student in the state of Florida can take our courses, whether they're a public school student, a private school student, or a homeschool student. So starting, actually right now, registration is open. Any students can go on and register for Conspiracy Code. We don't have a wait list or, or anything for that. They, they'll go right into the course. And so it's open to all students in the state of Florida. We also have franchise districts that work within Florida. Those students can take the courses. And also through our Global Services Division, we are also offering this course to our partners outside of Florida, school districts that might want to take on this course, whether they use our teachers or use their teachers. The partnership we have through our Global Services is really central to Florida Virtual School. I think it's one of the things that help us lead the virtual space. So our Global Services department can help out anyone who's interested in implementing conspiracy code in their district or in their school outside of Florida. That's excellent. You must be very excited about launching and mainstreaming the, the course. It is very exciting because I've been involved with the project now for, for over a year and from the time that only some people could really visualize it and we had just artist renditions of what might happen to see that it actually built and constructed. You know, myself, I'm a history teacher by, by trade. I'm not a game designer. That's one of the great partnerships with 360 Ed is Florida Virtual School has the content knowledge. 360 Ed has the game knowledge. We couldn't have done this without each other. And I've learned so much about game design and coding and all this stuff I would never thought I would l learn. And I just like to say I've become more of a geek. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what's next with Florida Virtual and are there more courses to come? Yes, Conspiracy Code has actually been designed to be a series of courses, not just Conspiracy Code equals American History. Actually, Conspiracy Code is our, our first line of digital game-based courses. And the Conspiracy Code, if we look at the game design, it really does play out into the humanities courses. It works really well with social studies courses, English courses, those sorts of things, or maybe a reading course. We're in production right now of our next game. I, can't tell you what that is, but it will be coming out soon. You'll, you'll start to hear Big some press secret. about that this summer. <laughs> I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. But we have American History on the books. We're working on another course, and then probably midsummer we'll start a third course within the conspiracy code genre. We're also looking at what can we do in the uh, realm of virtual worlds, math, gaming, maybe you know 
in the, the higher mathematics and how can we really uh, design a game-based course to tie into those students who are struggling in different math areas and so much we can do with visualization in a game and I think that can really work well in a lot of our STEM courses whether it be math, computer programming, our engineering or our science courses. There's lots of stuff that we're looking at uh, partnering up with some companies both in, you know, within Florida and outside of Florida to do those sorts of things. Jeremy, your enthusiasm is contagious and <laughs> I can't wait to have an opportunity to view and experience the game. I know there are people in the audience who would like to possibly touch base with you and ask you a few more questions. Could you share your contact information? Yes, I can. My name is uh, Jeremy Gatza. My last name is spelled G-A-T-Z-A. My email address is jgatza, so J-G-A-T-Z-A, at flvs.net. So you're welcome to send me an email. Also, if you'd like to see a little bit more about Conspiracy Code, there's a space on the Florida Virtual School website. It's actually a mini-site. It's multiple pages about Conspiracy Code. You can view a demo video of the actual product. We also have one that's it's a little bit longer and geared more towards educators. And we also have a downloadable demo that you can actually download and install on uh, your PC to play Conspiracy Code. And it'll take you through the mechanic of what the students are doing as well as give you some insight into the educational design. So if you go to Florida Virtual School website, which is flvs.net slash conspiracy code. So if you just put on the slash conspiracy code, that'll take you right to our mini site for conspiracy code. Jeremy, thank you so much. This is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association. And if you would like to find out more information about the United States Distance Learning Association, you can find us at www.usdla.org. Thank you very much, and have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related, helping professions throughout the world.